Uh, good morning, you guys. Uh, like Josh said, uh, my name is Ethan. It's probably a little weird. My wife and I popped up here back in March, all of us. Was it March, April? I don't know why I'm looking at it. It was April. Um, and we popped up here, and as soon as people in a vineyard church figure out you can play an instrument, um, <laughs> usually takes maybe a month. More than one instrument. <laughs> I don't have anything to go with that. Uh, and... And, and I can sing. <laughs> I keep talking about how it's probably strange for, and I, I was talking about it earlier, that how it's really strange because for all of you guys, you would probably much rather come up here and talk than sing, right? Or gonna break and jet. Oh, the other worst player doesn't feel that way. Um, but for me, I'm like, ah, let me just. Great is thy faithfulness unto. Okay. All right. So how this ended up happening. So like Josh said, I am a seminary student. Um, I'm in the middle of my next to last semester. And I am in the middle of doing a lot of work right now. There's actually another sermon I need to write for Tuesday that does not look very good. Um, uh, I think in the long you know, line of eternity, I'll be fine. But in the, in the moment, we're not looking good. And <laughs> um, But sometime last week, I got it on my heart that there was this really specific meth- message about faithfulness that I was supposed to give. And in the back of my mind, I knew it was a fruit of the Spirit. Um, but I didn't want to admit that to myself. Um, and I also knew we didn't have a speaker for that day because, so I've talked about this before, uh, once or twice. So you know how you guys will probably go to like Twitter and Facebook and stuff when you like get bored and need to scroll? I do that with Planning Center. It's so, it's really strange, right? Like you, like you guys saw Becca playing piano earlier. She does a great job. She will be back here December 4th if you guys... Um, <laughs> She, she's saying that I actually still like temper myself. I'm like, I'm gonna wait ten minutes so they don't think I'm, <laughs> so they don't think I was just watching it. <laughs> you guys probably don't even know what it looks like when the request comes up when you're in the app. You probably don't even know, but I know. I know what it looks like. Um, I'm sorry. This is a set of jokes for five people who use Planning Center. <laughs> um, I had another joke about who's, who's doing coffee, but I won't do that one. Um, I do. Do you want to know who's doing coffee on the 20th? <laughs> we don't know. No one's put it in yet. I'm losing half the crowd here. Okay. So, so all that suffice to say, this is a really inconvenient message, but um, I think for those of you who've come up here and spoke, um, when God puts a really clear message on your heart, it's like, oh, well, for me, it's like, crap, I have so much to do. Please, you know, please don't make me do this, but... And again, then I texted Josh like, hey, is there anyone speaking on faithfulness? Even though I know, I've already checked. Um, <laughs> that would have been bad. And, you know. and that was the thing, right? I reached out to Josh, and I'm like, it's fine if I don't have to do it. It's totally fine. It would be super inconvenient, but that's not what happened. Um, so I'm going to start today. I'm going to read through the passage from Galatians. I don't have it up there because I think we know it by now. Um, but just in case we don't, this is Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, Joy, I said that wrong, maybe we don't know it. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then I always like to throw in uh, verse 25 here. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
So today's faithfulness, which is where we start, I think Josh mentioned last week, this is where we start zoning out on the fruits of the Spirit. Like we kind of understand these first ones. I know what love is. I know how to do joy and peace. And goodness is, is kind of that line where it's like, well, what does that actually mean to be good? And faithfulness is the one where it's kind of like, I just have to believe in God. Check. We're good. Let's go to the next one. Gentleness. Ooh, I don't do that. Um, sorry, whoever's next week. Um, just kidding. We don't know yet. They're not in. <laughs> I have given away too many of my secrets about Planning Center. Like, it's... I. T- can't keep talking about planning center. I'll talk to Luke and, and like when he and I will talk about worship stuff and, and I'll pretend like I don't know every week he's scheduled. Even <laughs> sorry. Okay. So so let's look at the let's look on the screen. It, the picture on the right, your guys is right. Um, that is a coloring I drew in Kids Church of the fruits of the spirit. Um, anybody want to take a guess at how old I was? I. W- uh, I think it was 23. I think it was 23. Um, I am not good at coloring. I don't like coloring. Um, if arts and crafts is what we're doing in heaven, I don't know, guys. Um, I don't know. Uh, but that's pretty good, right? I mean, not for a 23-year-old. That's like baseline. Um, so the, which one? I think it's a coconut. Potatoes are a vegetable, Leah. Come on. Uh, and I chose to color it brown, right? Like, I chose that. I could have picked a different color. All right, we're getting off track. Okay. So we see all the different fruits of the Spirit, right? Um, but one of the things I always like to bring up if I ever do talk about the fruits of the Spirit is that the actual, when you actually read it, it's fruit singular of the Spirit, right? It's not a bunch of fruits. I think we like to think that we're like trees or like a bunch of grapes. Um, but in reality, I think we're supposed to look more like that fruit on the left, which is just a bunch, all the different fruits put together into one Frankenstein, <laughs> Frankenstein's fruit. Um, so just in case, you know, you're, you're thinking about that. You're not just a tree. You're a fruit. We are supposed to exhibit all of these different fruits. They don't all come in at different times. We are built up of all of these things put together. Um, I also have written down here that that fruit on the left is what they make fruit punch out of. <laughs> Ooh, that one didn't do so well. All right, let's, okay. It looks like a lemon. It looks like a lemon. At least it's not a coconut. I don't know what you want from me. Okay. So with that in mind, faithfulness is kind of a weird word, right? It doesn't just mean that we believe in God. There, there is more to it. Um, so let me roadmap us here. So I'm going to do a quick little word study here because that's what they teach us to do in seminary. Um, and then we're going to go through a passage in Mark 5 that kind of exemplifies what it means to have fruit of the spirit style faithfulness. Um, and then I'm going to do something called foreign faithfulness, which I will cover when we get there. So, these two words for faithfulness that we see up there, we have emet and pistis. Emet is the Hebrew, pistis is the Greek from the New Testament. Pistis is the one that we're talking about today, that's faithfulness in the context of the fruit of the Spirit. Emet is faithfulness from the Old Testament. So, and kind of those lines down at the bottom that you see, God is faithful versus we have faith in God, that's how we kind of have to differentiate the different styles of faithfulness, right? So... Emet is the faithfulness that God has for us, right? It's stability. It's reliability and integrity. It's 
his, him wanting to be our God, the God of Israel for our people. Um, and because he's had to be, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was God, uh, I would have been out when Abraham tried to sell off his wife as his sister. I would have said, that was for two people, uh, that joke. Um, the two people who read Genesis recently. Um, and, uh, and so God, God has to be faithful. God is faithful to his chosen people, which is us, even when we, almost especially when we don't deserve it. Um, and that's what his faithfulness is for us. But we don't, that's not one of our fruits. We, that, the fruit that we are trying to cultivate here um, is pistis, which is uh, the, the definition of it um, from Strong's Concordance is the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. It's fancy, right? There's another definition too. A strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. It's a lot fancier than just believing in God. But is it that much fancier than that? Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm going to read Mark 5. This is going to be verses 21 through 34 for us here. And I think this story particularly exemplifies what we're looking for in the faithfulness fruit that we are producing. So starting here on verse 21, this is the NIV. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake... A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the part at Duke where you would say the, the word of God for us, the people of God. The first two years, I did not understand that at all. I'm just finally starting to say it right, because um, I'm not Methodist. Uh, really not Methodist. Anyway, so we are going to go into something that I'm calling for unfaithfulness. So this is a style of teaching that uh, I have adopted from my Old Testament professor, Dr. Brent Strawn. Um, he liked to do this when we were going through big or small ideas, right? It would be four on Mosaic Law, or it would be, you know, like four on a really specific character, like four on Bezalel the craftsman from Exodus 31, right? Like, it, it has a lot of different... Bezalel's what the other sermon is about that I'm supposed to give to you, say. Anyway, um, and so it's this, it gives me an opportunity. One, it's four points that if you're writing notes, it looks great when you're done, Right? 
and it looked great in my notes that I took for class um, from my office at home during COVID. Uh, and uh, but then there's little deeper things that we can go into. But ultimately, we got four points that we can go after, and they're not necessarily this is what this is. This it's just four. It's just an organizing tool. Don't don't think too hard about it. Okay, so four on faithfulness. Here's the first one. Through this passage, we can see that faith opens the door to the power of God, but it's not free. In verse 34, it says, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The healing itself did not come from the magic robe of Jesus, um, but it's a combination of Jesus' presence in that place and the woman's faith to actually reach out and touch him knowing that just reaching out and touching him would be enough to heal. Now, after she does this, he does not just let it be, right? Because there's a, a tangible, I don't want to say magic, but, but there's a healing that has come out of him that he tangibly notices. And he makes a point to go out of his way and say, who is this woman? What has happened? Show yourself to me. Now, we can see that through faith, it is the door to the power of God, right? Just her faith in touching that cloak opens herself up to the healing of God. But what does it mean that it's not free? I think when we, when we think about things not being free and things having a cost, we think it's a bad cost initially. And, and I want to kind of flip that for us here because this isn't a bad cost that, that Jesus asks. Um, instead, he finds her, he singles her out, um, and he sends her off with, with peace and shalom, like Josh was talking about last week. Not just like, take your healing from me and go, but that her faith is not only the path to her healing, but it's a path to peace and shalom. It's a path to, he's sending her with prosperity. He's sending her with her salvation and her wholeness that has come through him. He singles her out because, and this is going to be a quote from Dr. David Garland, professor of New Testament at Baylor University. He does not allow her to slip away and remain anonymous. He forces the issue so that when she leaves healed, she will leave knowing that the one who healed her knows her and cares for her. She is a person who is worth taking time with and addressing. The cost of faith is that it requires us to be seen by God and his church. We cannot fade into the background like we would like to all the time. But it's a good thing, right? For some of us. Some of us with anxiety are freaking out right now. Um, but that is the problem, right? To truly experience God love through our faith, it requires us to be seen. And that is the cost, my friends. Number two, faith requires us to dig in and persist. There is fear and shame in what the woman is doing here in reaching out for the cloak. There's this idea that she has to push through others in the crowd. He is surrounded by people, right? And she is like having to push her way. She could contaminate others through whatever it is that, you know, I don't know the exact disease. Um, I've seen different things saying it could be hemorrhaging. doesn't matter. Um, she could even contaminate Jesus, right? She has no idea. You know, I'm pretty sure he's the son of God, but that doesn't mean he can't get sick, right? I have no idea. Um, she's endangering herself and everyone around her with, with her actions, with what she's doing. Um, I don't know if I was her. I think I would have started to lose nerve if I'm passing people. They're like, what touched, ooh, what touched me? Who is this person? Um, but she persisted because she had faith in what was ahead and what, what was ahead with Jesus. Uh, in James 1, uh, this is verses 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, 
when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Faith, at times, requires us to dig in and persist. Uh, We, as the Vineyard Movement, are founded on a lot of persisting. For those of you who don't know, when uh, before we started having the miraculous healing and power evangelism, uh, Wimber preached on healing in his church for, I think it's something like somewhere between nine and 12 months straight of just preaching about healing without any healing happening. (laughs) They lost people in the church over it. Um, People on his board would come to him and say, what if we tried teaching about something else, John? maybe something that could actually happen. Um, and even, even John himself got to the end of his wits about it. Um, but he was faithful because he, he never felt that the Lord was telling him to do something else. The Lord was telling him, persist, and the fruit will come. And look at us now. All these people who are coming together who won't call themselves a denomination, but we still heal people. She would know. Uh, and so there's, there's a persistence in digging in. Now, I think for many of us, we will not experience the level of persistence that this woman required in this moment, um, a life or death moment for her, where everything is depending on this. But there are practical ways that we can do this in our own way, in our own times of worship here. When we, when we come together to worship and we don't just accept how we're coming, the way that we're feeling, the way that we think things are going in the room, but it's that we can say, God, I'm going to dig in and seek after what you're doing here. Um, And if I talk a lot about worship, it's because we're going to do it again later and try these things. Um, So that is it. Faith requires us to dig in and persist, and it opens the door to the power of God with the cost of God seeing and knowing who we are. Number three, faith is at its strongest at times in desperation. Uh, if you've even just read a little bit of the Bible, there's a lot of desperate people in it. Um, this, uh, this, this woman is just one example. Even, you know, Jesus at times is desperate. Um, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Jesus is, um, some of the lines are, are, you know, he's literally crying blood. Um, regardless, he's experiencing something so intense that there's blood coming off him because he doesn't want to die, which is very human. I want to, I just, Jesus, wherever you are, I want to acknowledge that. That's normal. Um, I don't think he's up. Anyway. (laughs) And so desperation, right? That's where this woman is at. What she's experiencing is not, I'm making sure there's no kids. It's not just menstruating, right? It's not, it's, it's a condition that makes her like a leper in her society. It alienates and it isolates her. What she is experiencing is not just physical. There's social elements to it, keeping her away. There's psychological, that there's nothing she can do. She's lost all of her money trying to fix this issue. This woman is truly in a place of desperation. But what this teaches us is that faith can come in those moments of desperation because those are the moments when, when we've run out of things to turn to, God is the only thing that we have left to turn to. And, and there is historical precedent, not even just in scripture, that God moves strongest in desperation. The first example I'm going to give is a really bad one. <laughs> and maybe not true. 
Uh, <laughs> this is Emperor Constantine. Uh, he uh, is a former emperor of the Roman Empire. He is known as uh, the emperor who brought Christianity to Rome. <laughs> I'm bummed that YouTube isn't going to hear that, Tabby. I'm bummed that they're only going to hear that I laughed at that. So Constantine, he is known as the guy who brought Christianity to Rome. Um, the actual story is that at the, the Battle of uh, the Malivian Bridge, I was an undergrad who studied ancient, uh, ancient Mediterranean, so that's why this comes up. Um, just I can give you a little bit more than Pastor's Kid because that's all you're thinking right now. Um, so the Battle of the Malivian Bridge, um, Constantine and his army were outnumbered two to one. Um, and the night before, Constantine had a dream where he had a dream where Christ came to him uh, and said, you will fight for my honor, and that they were to put the initial CR, which stands for Cairo, which, um, which stands for Christ um, in Roman, uh, and that he would lead them to battle. And then Constantine and his army just wiped out whoever they were facing. Constantine rose to power, and he gave all the glory and credit to Christ. At least that's what his biographer said. Could it be possible that it was a ploy to get the many, 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 many Christians um, who were being in, enslaved and alienated in Rome to get on his side so he could rise to power? I don't know, guys. I don't know. It's possible. Um, but he was desperate. You know, two to one. That's long odds. I don't think he was going to win that fight. I don't know if God helped him win that fight. We will never know. Someone can ask him when they get there. Um, I don't know if Constantine will be up there when we get there. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's one. That, so that's a bad example, right? But uh, even even looking at our own our own little context, right, um, of worship movements um, in the 20th century, uh, the latter rain movement, which we have a lot of roots in as the Vineyard, um, comes comes from a man named Reg Lazell, who was a traveling evangelist who saw no results until one day he just got really desperate and and just started. He noticed Psalm 22.3, which says, God will inhabit the praises of his people. And he dug into that verse. And with his revival crowd, he kept preaching that. And people just began to explode out in tongues and, and, and gifting. And that's sort of like the center of where the whole latter rain theology and worship came from that eventually led to us um, somewhere down the line. But it's a man who was desperate for the move of God. He even said afterward that I just wanted to see God move so badly. He said at that point, it didn't matter how that I just wanted to see it. Even in the vineyard, we are the same way. The very first time they really tangibly experienced the power of God in their midst um, was a, it was just a small group, kinship group, not at the time, I think it was just called a small group still, um, where it was Carl Tuttle leading on guitar. John Wimber wasn't there. His wife, Carol, was there. Um, but it was a group of people who, who have just said, we were just so desperate for God. We were tired of the way things were. And so when we came to him in worship, when we sang these songs directly to God, directly to him, addressing him as I, not just God in general, the general idea of God, and they, everybody has said that they just felt a tangible weight fall in that place, that it was the presence of God that came. And from there, that was how they learned to worship and they cultivated that. And here we all are, again, like the healing thing. Um, and that's where we come from. We, we are a movement founded on desperation for God. And that is the place where God can come.
Now that's great, but what does it actually mean to be desperate for God today? Right? It's a little, it's, it's different for us, I think. I think in this day, faith calls us to fight against complacency, comfort, and self-sufficiency. I think many of us in this room don't know what it means to be desperate for the presence of God. And I don't have a clear answer about how we get there, guys. Uh, if I knew, I would go found a movement. <laughs> we, would, we would be vineyard too. Uh, <laughs> we would be a denomination. No, I'm sorry. I don't have an opinion on, I don't have an opinion on that. Um, but I think one way we can start to cultivate that um, is from a way that uh, Steve Nicholson, former pastor of the Evanston Vineyard, likes to talk about. It's when we come into worship with expectation expectation that God's going to move in this place, that he's already here, and that God, we're just asking that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing today, and that we come in every single time we come to worship with that expectation that God's going to be here, and it's weird when he's not. Um, Can we honestly say that we're there? I figured some people would say no, which they did, so I don't, I don't think I'm there, frankly. It's hard. I, because it's not our normal. There's complacency, right? There's a self-sufficiency, and there's a comfort that we're all starting to experience. Which leads us to the last of the four, which is that faith is action and inaction. So Mark 5 teaches us that the power of faith is really actionable, right? It's when we reach out and we touch God and we get healed. And then when we follow through with it, when we persist, when we're desperate, we allow ourselves to be open to God, and to pursue him. Because faith requires us to be just bystanders, right? For our own sake and for the sake of those around us. That's where we get the healing. That's where we get the prophetic. That's where we get the moves of God. That's where we tangibly feel his presence when we're worshiping. But that is not the only way um, that we are faithful. Especially not in the fruit of faithfulness that we are being called to in Galatians. There's a passage from John 5 that reminds us that that same faith that persists must be tempered in reality and working through what we see God doing. Uh, This is in John 5. Uh, There's a few different verses in here. I'm going to jump around, so bear with me. This is starting on verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Why did I include that verse in there? That didn't add anything. Anyway. (laughs) A number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Skipping ahead really quickly there to verse 19, it then says, this is after the Pharisees have attacked Jesus, saying, it's Sabbath, you can't do that, why on earth are you just, you know, if we think about it, there's a great number of disabled people. Why did you just heal one, Jesus? Um, And in response to that, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. This is another one of those things. I do not have the answer to why Jesus only healed one of those people. I think part of it might be that Jesus was beholden to 
the exact same constraints that we are beholden to today, which is that we can only do, only do what we see our Father doing in the room. We cannot manipulate the space. We cannot use hype and fancy instruments. And me coming up here and going around and yelling at you guys to try to get the presence of God to come. <laughs> You're so welcome, you guys. We can't make something out of nothing. Going back to the idea of emet from the Old Testament, the faithfulness, right? Being that God is, is truth and integrity to us. We are still called to be like God in that way, right? Unfortunately, the fruit of faithfulness may actually be both words um, because there has to be integrity in what we're doing. It's part of the fruit of faithfulness. Uh, this is a quote on integrity from our beloved founder, John Wimber who is not a deity, very important, just a man, just really quotable, as Josh has said many times. One of the things that I'm most grateful for is the credibility dynamic that goes on in our fellowship here. I have been careful and scrutinized carefully the things I've said over the years, and so when I tell people that God has said it, they believe me, and when we're not, it's obvious, and so we don't try to bolster what we're saying by saying God said so. There's a joke about Anaheim in there. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll cut that out. <laughs> but we are a movement founded on that integrity that we cannot do in this room what God is not doing. If, if God is choosing not to heal, not to bestow tongues, not to so we can actually really feel his presence in this room, we cannot bring that. We can persist, and we can wait, and we can look, but we cannot bring God into the room. And that's what I think faithfulness might be. That's the stuff that I came to talk about. So what we're going to do now, we're going to move into another, 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 another time of worship. But first, let's get a little practical here with how we're going to try to worship here now, right? So now we kind of know what faithfulness is, or at least we had someone talk at us for 30 minutes about it. So let's try to worship today with our faith in mind, with the remembrance that God is our salvation, he is our life, and that he is worthy to be worshipped no matter what we're bringing into the room today. The good, the bad, everything in between. Another thing I want us to think about is that, the fa again, we're going back to quotable vineyard stuff. Faith is spelled risk, R-I-S-K. Uh, that we need to be not afraid to move when we do see God moving. That, yeah, he doesn't move all the time, but there's also a lot of times that he does move, and we're just really scared and don't want to do it, so we don't. Right? Um, this is a quote from Mike Pilavachi, who friend of the Vineyard out in the UK, um, one of the lead pastors of Soul Survivor. Uh, he just recently did a leadership conference about doing ministry time, uh, where he said, we need to get to the place where we care more about seeing Jesus move among us than we do about looking foolish. Because if it is Jesus that we're hearing and we're seeing move, 
we have the chance to bring life to people around us, people who need healing, people who haven't heard the word of God yet, people who think can then spread that out to the other people in their lives, that we have to be able to take that risk. And that if we do it and it absolutely fails, nobody's going to die. At least they haven't yet. Not in the vineyard anyway. And that's, you know, that's just cost value. We can bring life, no one will die. Do that, right? I wish it was that easy. Um, but I think another really important thing is that that fear that you feel when, you know, God's on the back of your neck or, you know, however, however the Lord speaks to you, there is no one cookie cutter way that he does that. He speaks to all of us the way that I think we can be spoken to because we're all really different and get spoken to in different ways. The way that Leah hears the Lord is probably different from the way I hear the Lord. And that's good because we have a God that knows each of us and knows how to speak to us. This isn't in there. I'm just going, guys. Um, But that we have to remember that there will always be a fear that comes with that. There will be a nervousness that to try to heal for someone, to try to give someone a word, if we have a word that we think other people in this room need, there will always be a fear that comes with that. The people who did it their entire lives, John Wimber, Mike Pilavachi, they still think it every time they do it. When they go up on stage, I think a guy named... um, Brent needs healing for his kidney. He says that, and, and then immediately, he said this at this conference not too long ago, he immediately in his head is like, Mike, you idiot. No one needs prayer for that. You just made that up. They're going to think you're stupid. What else can you say that, you get, that can get you out of this? He thinks that. That man has saved thousands of people through his healing ministry and hearing things in ministry time. He is known as the ministry man, right? Those people are still afraid to do it. We should all still be afraid when we hear the word of the Lord. But it can't stop us. And that's the thing. And then another thing that we have to get comfortable with is if nothing happens. We have to get comfortable not just with nothing, but with stillness and silence that come with nothing. Because sometimes, contrary to popular belief, Jesus did nothing. Sometimes. He did not heal everybody when he was here. He did not feed everybody when he was here. That's not to say that we get complacent. That's not to say that we don't persist. That's not to say that we don't, you know, that we come in on Sundays and we're like, I don't think God's going to move today. I'm just going to chill. <laughs> Tabby, that's the word of the Lord compelling you over there. <laughs> um, so we need to stay vigilant and we need to watch. We need to continue to watch um, while still having the understanding that if he doesn't show up, it's okay. Nobody's going to die if he doesn't come. One final thing, and the worship team can start to come up. I don't know where the kids' movie is at. She'll go get them in a minute. Um, I tried to sneak back there right before worship started because I was like, I could just, I could just watch. I could just watch a movie today. Popcorn smells really good. That could be fun. One final thing, and I think if we don't do anything else today, I think this is the most important thing, is that this has to be, this environment right here, this church space, it has to be safe. No one's going to share if it's not safe in here. No one is going to try to look foolish if they know we're all going to judge them for it. So let me just say, and you know, I'm not a pastor, I don't have authority, I don't know, but this is a place where you can be foolish. This is the training ground for the stuff. 
This is where we learn to do it. I don't know where else you're going to learn to do it. If not here, you can try it at home, but I don't think, can we heal dogs? It doesn't matter. Um, I don't know why I asked them like they knew. Um, <laughs> all right, we're getting metaphysical. We're off track. <laughs> Safe environment here, though, to, to play, to do the stuff. To play sounds kind of wrong, but it is a little bit, right? And so for all of us here who maybe haven't experienced what it really means for, the, for that gifting, right? The, I have no idea what it means for God to give me a prophetic word or, or to speak in tongues. As we start to dig in and seek after that stuff, let's start with, I'm going to learn to not judge other people when they have that stuff. That this is a place where I want to see that stuff happen. Because in the vineyard, we believe that those things are caught, not taught. And we can't catch them if we're too busy judging them. So if you're here in this room and you have felt afraid to give words, to heal people, to seek after what you think the Lord is doing in this room, let me just encourage you today. This is the space to practice and learn. And if you look foolish, no one's going to die. And no one is going to judge you for it. Because we all just want to see the Lord move in this place. Um, Josh, do you want to come up and say something while I go get on the drums? And moose? Come chat. Come come warm him up for me. I'm not sure what I could say after that. I don't think I had the right to say no. <laughs> so we um we do want to practice this stuff. I want to just uh, emphasize for for just a second that the difference between a prayer time and a ministry time, all right, they're not the same thing. Um, often I think we we have an altar call. Often we we think I need to just call and like talk to God. That's not what we mean when we talk about ministry time in the vineyard. Um, it's this stuff. Because I, I, I say this frequently, but, but I'm, I'm not here because I don't have better things to do. I'm, I'm not here because, I, you know, I, I'm just bored and think, you know, Sunday mornings seem like a good time to try to spend some time away from the house. It means everything. It means everything. Like, I, God, your kingdom, you, you alone have the words of life. Where else could we go? If you don't speak it, if you don't do it, then, then what, else am I, what else are we going to do? You know, we're, we're, we don't want to just waste time. So I think whenever we think about those things that attracted us to this faith, those things that attracted us to Jesus, those things that, that jump off the page when we read the gospel and we say, can that be true? Is that literally what happened? Well, let's find out. <laughs> That's the invitation. I, I love it. We, we don't have the answers for everything. But let's find out. And let's find out together. And let's find out this morning. Let's worship. Let's sit. Let's press in. Let's ask those questions. Let's, let's be more believing than disbelieving. Amen.